0: Every time you pass by a cemetery, you are passing by tombstones that hold countless stories of lives lived before the grave. However, how many of those that died consider their own lives before the grave, and more importantly, their eternal destiny after the grave? How many today think beyond the grave? It would seem that the fear of death is definitely looming over the heads of many at this time with the widespread pandemic of the coronavirus. The whole world has been awakened at some level to the mortality and finality of man. You only live once. YOLO. Yes, but after this comes the judgment. Why should we be concerned about this? I'm so glad you asked. Join us as we take this time to stop and
1: think about. It. Hello, hello, anybody home? I don't think McFly think. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. What were you thinking? I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. did not say anything now. Just think about it. You're listening to Stop and Think About It. A podcast for the Christian thinker. In a day when sound biblical preaching has been replaced by man-centered entertainment. <laughs> And the church has become increasingly anti-intellectual. This podcast will encourage believers to think biblically and theologically. So please join me as we get ready to stop and think about it.
0: Greetings, friends and foes, saints and sinners, we are back with another exciting episode of the Stop and Think About It podcast. And we are continuing with our series titled Death and the Gospel. And today is part three of this series. Glenn, I don't know if you saw the Princess Bride. Does that movie ring a bell for you?
2: Yes, a uh, uh, great movie.
0: Great movie. That's right. It,
2: one of the few that you can watch with the family and not be not have to stop and turn it off. You know,
0: absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I really enjoyed the character Inigo Montoya, the one who said, "You killed my father. Prepare to die." Yes, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if that was a good Inigo Montoya accent, but it was probably more like an accident.
2: Close enough. You're going to get some people to go watch the movie now, I think.
0: There you go. There you go. But I recall the part where um, Inigo Montoya comes in and speaks to the little troll-like guy played by Billy Crystal. I forgot his name. But he brings him uh, the guy who died, and he wants Miracle Max to work a miracle. And he says, oh, he's... uh uh, what if i kill him he says it's not a problem you know he's already dead
2: now now uh and this is this guy is the the hero of the story but rather than describe it let's just play the clip right
0: amen see that's why i love you glenn play that clip for us
2: well i'll ask him. he's dead he can't talk look who knows so much huh well it just so happens that your friend here is only mostly dead there's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. Please open his mouth. Now, mostly dead, he's slightly alive. Now, all dead, well, with all dead, there's usually only one thing that you can do. What's that? Go through his clothes and look for loose change. so important
0: what you got here that's worth living for what we see here is we see someone who has come back to life in the movie but that doesn't normally take place in real life does it
2: well to be honest he was mostly dead right he wasn't all dead he
0: wasn't all dead (laughs) But, um, you know, everybody would really love kind of a Miracle Max in their life. People have searched for the Fountain of Youth. Um, I believe that there's certain Hollywood celebrities that are somehow on ice. And when they find a cure for whatever ailed them to death, they want to kind of, you know, defrost them and, and bring them back, kind of like happened with Han Solo in Star Wars. But uh, what do you think, Glenn? You think they're going to be able to bring frozen people back?
2: Well, I know that there is a there's a bunch of um very rich people who are freezing their brains, freezing their bodies, hoping that whatever disease they had in a hundred years from now, if it's solved, they can be brought back. So people definitely believe this, but I personally don't. I think dead is dead. Um um if that's a phrase we can use.
0: You just did. Yeah, it was even in the Avengers captain america came back from being on ice and he came back to life it would seem and then the snap of thanos's fingers sent everybody to death and then somehow it got reversed and everybody came back to life so it seems that there's this desire that people want to live and where do you think that desire comes from
2: I, I think it's just a human innate thing you know um i think also at the heart of it is this understanding that we are we are finite that we are temporary that that, that we are on borrowed time and it's just it's just it's just like a child who who thinks you know they can play, have fun, don't study and then just ace the test. It's kind of, you know, you you like to believe that there is a there's a way to kind of eat your lunch without working for it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I love how you referenced, I believe, Ecclesiastes chapter three when you said there was a time for everything and you mm-hmm. you pointed out uh there was a time to live and a time to die. And Beyond that verse in Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse nine through 11, it says, what gain has the worker from his toil? I've seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. And here's where it is. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. Yet, so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So there it is. I mean, he put eternity into our hearts. There's some kind of thing within of a, and within us that says, I, I want to live. I, I don't want to die.
2: Or even the idea that that things do last on for infinite. Because, you know, as a child, we learned very quickly that, you know, the food runs out, the toy, the, the animal dies. Um, there's not enough, you know and and i think that's a beautiful verse and it it cuts both ways that that god has gifted us with this understanding that there is something eternal that there there is this never ending um process and and uh i just think it's beautiful i mean but at the same time we're faced with this dead is dead right
0: yeah yeah i mean as much money as Hollywood has and and the celebrities. I can't remember the exact actress, but she said, you know, I want to know what's going to happen when I die. Is is there something beyond this life? Uh, You know, where am I going to go? And so there was this cry in the heart that she wanted to know where she's going to end up for eternity. Um, But ultimately, the body that we're currently housing, that houses our soul, will be put in the ground one day. And the termination of life, which Luther called a maggot sack. Have you heard that phraseology from uh, Doctor I, Luther?
2: I, I didn't. I didn't recall that, but it's, I'm not going to forget that now.
0: <laughs> it's kind of a hard picture to forget. Uh, the maggot sack.
2: I mean, I think we've been discussing death over the last two podcasts, and it's this idea, you know, that our bodies die. That that yes. this physical being, and and we can see that as we age. That 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 we are breaking down slowly. Yes. And that's something that everyone deals with. And and you know, but once again, it's not the only death, right?
0: No, it's not the only death. As a matter of fact, it's somewhat, if you will, consider a lesser death. It's the lesser fear that we should have that just the body is going to die. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because the Bible says the soul that sins, it shall die. And again, this began in the garden with the sin of Adam. And Romans chapter five tells us, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and here it is, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted when there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one to come.
2: Right. I mean, once again we talked about it last time that, you know, death is caused by sin, not necessarily, you know, not the karmic way that that the, the world believes where I did something bad and so something bad happened to me, but the literal fact that we were born in sin, we we're born in iniquity. That sin itself has condemned us to this physical death. Um I I think it's just something that it's it, we we as b- believers um, and those who are trying to reach out to unbelievers need to understand this, that it's not necessarily the individual sin. And I know some people um, sometimes are taken aback when we say, well, you've lied. So that means that you're condemned by God, that you go to hell. And they, they take that in this, hey, God is not petty. No, but in, in reality, that was the price. The one sin that was done by Adam and Eve, that was that price. And we're paying it to this day. And we're perpetuating it every single day.
0: Yeah, I mean that sin spread faster than the coronavirus because it hits everybody. I mean, there's there's no um, there's no safety from it anywhere, and there's no cure that any man could come up with. But really, the physical death points to spiritual death.
2: Right. Right.
0: Yeah. And so Jesus said in John 8:51, "Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see." death.
2: Now, when I first heard that, I was a little confusing cuz you know, we have scripture that says that everyone's going to die. But, you know, we talked about Ecclesiastes that all men there's or there's a, a, a time appointed where all men will die, right? God has chosen it before the foundation of the world. So, how is it possible that we won't see death?
0: Right. So, Jesus was pointing to the uh, the people that he was speaking to, I believe it was the Pharisees or the Sadducees in John chapter 8. And they were going back and forth, uh, having a debate with Jesus. And their focus was that they were good with God because Abraham was their father. But Abraham died and the prophets died. And so Jesus comes along and says, Anyone who keeps my word, he'll never taste death. And then they said, Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died and the prophets who died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus says, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad.
2: Right, right. Excellent, excellent. And and once again, can't be the physical death, right? Because otherwise it would be wrong.
0: It would be absolutely wrong, and so Abraham saw Christ's day because he saw Christ. His his, his eyes uh, laid behold of Christ because where did Abraham end up when he died? Heaven. He ended up in heaven, and when we went through Luke chapter sixteen, um, that affirmed that, and it's also affirmed in Hebrews chapter eleven. So Abraham was there, and and he laid his eyes upon Christ. So, so- I'm sorry again.
2: Yeah, so once again, we all are going to face physical death. The question is, which has been in all the podcasts, is where do we go when we die? And Jesus is referring to this spiritual eternality.
0: And if you recall in John chapter 11, uh, when Lazarus died, everybody was sad, everybody was crying, even Christ cried. Uh, The shortest verse in the Bible is what? Jesus wept. See, I told you, you were good at scripture memory.
2: (laughs) I'm very happy that we're discussing this. And I, I'm telling you, as I talk to people, you know, between the the various podcasts, and I talk to people about death. They always bring this up. But Lazarus, Lazarus, he was dead. He was in dead for four days. So, and I know we talked about previously about soul sleep. And I think this is, this, this is going to get to the heart of, of, of where all these misconceptions come from. And, and once again, talking about this, I think is, is really important. I think it, 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 like you said, we discussed it in private, and even the commentators, uh, no one's got this kind of handled, and I think it leaves a lot of confusion, and I hope we can bring some clarity to this today. Not not final facts, right. but but some clarity as to how to address it.
0: So Lazarus, I mean, he was, like it said in The Princess Bride, well, he was beyond. He was dead, dead. He wasn't mostly dead. He was absolutely dead.
2: <laughs> right, Exactly. <laughs>
0: And and these people weren't stupid in the first century. They they knew what dead was, that the guy was in in the tomb for four days. Right, right. But I like what Ray Comfort writes. He wrote the words of Jesus. Remember when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. He Mm -hmm. says, the words of Jesus cut through the icy grip of death like a white hot blade through soft powdered snow. The same word that brought life in the beginning breathed life into the decomposing corpse of Lazarus. Suddenly, from the blackened shadow of the tomb appeared a figure wrapped in grave clothes, as he stood at the entrance of the tomb, for tombs did not need an exit until that day. His face and body were covered with grave clothes. God took him by the hand and led him to the light. Mm, mm. Yes. So Lazarus had no heartbeat. He wasn't breathing, no brain, zero brain activity. And after four days, he would have likely showed signs of decay. And it's no wonder that his sister said, and this one's for you, Glenn. I got the KJV for you. All right. Lord, by this time, he stinketh.
2: I think just the stinketh just really, uh, you know, you, you can visualize that.
0: <laughs> I don't want to visualize it. I don't want to <laughs> smell it. Actually, when I was in Israel, we went to the alleged tomb, although they said it actually was the tomb of Lazarus, and we got to go down into what seemed like the catacombs and mm. it still stinketh <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> i can imagine something
0: died down there
2: <laughs> now 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 i've always wondered you know why didn't lazarus write the, a tell all book you know like uh four days in heaven four days in hell you know something like that 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 would have right. really solved this we wouldn't have to be even d- discussing this right
0: right he could have beat that beat that little kid uh that four year old kid with the last name Burpo, that wrote "Heaven Is for Real." I mean, Lazarus could have been selling books hand over fist. Yeah, made a four lot days. Of money.
2: Four days? Come on, that's man. that's right. You're talking about five minutes.
0: You're talking about four <laughs> days. That's right. That's right. And so, what could Lazarus have done to bring himself back to life? Nothing. And nothing is the definition of nothing. Is what rocks dream about?
2: Yeah, basically. But I'm <laughs> look. I'm knocking this out of the park. Keep keep these questions coming. <laughs>
0: I mean, he couldn't have told his heart, start to beat. He couldn't have told his brain, you know, kickstart, turn back on. There was no jumper cables for him. And so something had to bring him back to life. His physical condition was consistent with his spiritual condition. And this is consistent with every human being and their condition before the sovereign God of the universe. Right, he right. wasn't only dead physically, but apart from the saving faith of Christ, he was also dead spiritually. Mm. And so this is the case of every single person who is listening right now, and even if they're not listening, every person who's not born again right now, you're spiritually dead.
2: Now, what what does that mean, spiritually dead? I, like Once again, I don't think people really understand it. Um, and you alluded to it, what, what, do you th- what do you mean by spiritually dead? Uh, I, think, I think in a sense we understand that someone who's not born again is spiritually dead, but I, you know, what does that mean?
0: Right. So when someone is born again, they have spiritual life. They, they, they're awakened to the things of God. They, they have a desire for a God. They have a desire to please God. They have a delight in the, even the commands of God. They want to live their life not for themselves anymore. They want to live their life to the glory of God. People who are spiritually dead, they live for the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. Even if they help other people, well, that's great. But at the end of the day, they're not doing it for the glory of God. They're doing it for the glory of self or the glory of man. So all those that are spiritually dead, their sin is ever before them. And God counts their sin against them, all their sin. Like David said, in sin did my mother conceive me. So they were vipers and diapers from the moment they were born, and they continued in that path of sin as enemies of God, as children of Satan, as children of the devil, the father of lies. They called him daddy, and and we were all there at one point, each one of us.
2: I would go even further than that and say that in the garden, God says, if you eat of this fruit, you will die, that at that point, we all became spiritually, that the the what you've just described this this action this verb this desire that we have for God that was that was taken from us it was it it was it was dead inside of us and we're physically dead physically weren't dead physically but that's what ushered in this this death that we all face because spiritually, we're dead we're kind of like walking husks without without the spirit inside of us and being born again is God giving us His spirit it's kind of reviving us with his spirit. It's not even that we have our own spirit, it's that he's given us his spirit so that we can then be empowered to do good, to to worship him and love him in truth.
0: Yeah, well in the garden, when um, the enemy was tempting Adam and Eve and spoke to Eve, she said, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it. God didn't actually say that part lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. And so after they ate, I mean, they didn't just drop dead, did they?
2: Exactly. They were still physically alive.
0: They were physically alive, but they began to physically die. And they certainly began to spiritually die. There was a spiritual death that was there. Because we, what do we see happen? Adam runs and hides behind a bush with Eve that God had made as if God can't see him behind <laughs> that.
2: <laughs> right, right, exactly. Right.
0: I mean, when I was a kid, I used to catch lightning bugs and put them in a jar. I mean, the lightning bug couldn't go anywhere where I couldn't see it. And Adam couldn't go anywhere where God couldn't see him because, he, it, I mean, he's omnipresent.
2: And that's the point is that something in them died, you know? Yes. And this is what I believe everyone fears. I... I I know, in a sense, there is a physical fear of death, but it's this uh, it is this is this realization that we will not exist anymore because right. we know that there's something of ourselves. Because you know, we know if we chop off a limb, which we <laughs> I wouldn't advise you to do, if we lose a limb or we or we lose a part of the body, or we're even in a coma and brain dead, that we're still there. Something about ourselves is still manifested. But 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 there's a realization that when our physical body dies, there's nothing to anchor us, and I think. The first podcast we did kind of dealt with all, you know, how man is trying to make sense of this impending doom that's coming up. And that's why they come up with karma and reincarnation because they realize that there is a spiritual part of us that seems to be lacking, missing, or that needs to continue somewhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it wasn't Lazarus's will to live that saved him and brought him back to life. Nope. It was God's will that caused Lazarus to come back to life. And it's God's will that brings a dead sinner to life. It serves as a beautiful and loving reminder of my own depravity and inability to save myself or even to keep myself spiritually alive.
2: Well, thank you for not including me in that. Thank you.
0: <laughs> you're included in there my brother oh, yeah, right right exactly
2: <laughs> you know we're all depraved we're we can't do it i mean i used to think um uh, before i was saved that that was like a tragedy you know you know i wanted to do it i wanted to do good things i wanted to prove myself on um, and when i realized that it was a herculean task it was a task that it was impossible for me to do it. Thank God that He sent His Son. Thank God that God's going to do what they're, I'm not capable of doing. If if God was fair, He would let us try to, to 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 earn our salvation. But there's no way we'd force to earn it. So it's a beautiful thing. I think as believers, we need to dwell on that. That that you know, like a, like a child whose parent kind of boosts them up so they can you know get the the the, the toy sometimes. Don't even realize that it's the father who helped them up. It's kind of that way, you know, and that's why some people have a little confusion about. Well, I, well, I saved myself. I, I, I reached out to God. No, He changed your heart to do. He he didn't. He's so gracious. He, He doesn't even set you straight on that fact. As long as you worship and serve Him.
0: Sure, sure. And so I was asking this question. I know we discussed it. Where did Lazarus go? from the time he died to the time he came back
2: like i said I, he didn't write the book so i'm waiting you know, <laughs> for the book to come out you know.
0: so i mean i searched i looked up different commentators and no one seemed to have the answer but i have the answer today ready for this drum what? roll all right here it is i got the answer turn stop and think about it up real loud right now here's the answer this is an exclusive Lazarus. guys
2: and this is,
0: that's it you're only going to hear it here Deuteronomy 29, 29 says the secret things belong to the Lord, our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the works of uh, words of this law. You, so it seems that this is one of the secret things that belongs to the Lord. But yet I have another verse,
2: Glenn. Because I'm getting excited. I think we're getting to it now.
0: There you go. Romans 11, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways.
2: So you're saying we, we really won't know?
0: I'm saying that the answer is, Only God knows. I I just thought of one more verse, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I I don't think we can comprehend on this side of eternity this kind of question, and it's okay. Uh, We need to deal with the things we do understand in the Word of God. And uh, it reminds me, I don't know if this joke is going to fit, but I'm going to throw it in there anyway, of the kid who took a a test and he didn't know a whole bunch of answers. And so he writes uh, in big letters, only God knows. So the teacher hands him his test back and it says, God gets a hundred and you fail. I think that's right. (laughs) So, I mean, there are things that only God knows that they're only in the secret chambers that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit know in their inter, inter-Trinitarian council, and we are not privy to that council at times. And, you know, the verse that you just brought up concerning, you know, um, I've chosen you from before the foundation of the world and whosoever will come, I heard of a, a picture of that, an illustration where it somebody is standing in front of like an archway, and it says, whosoever will come. And then they go through the archway, they turn around, and then on the back side of it, once they're in the gate, it says, I have chosen you before the foundation of the world.
2: Oh, that works. That's a good picture of, of what of what is happening. Um, and at the same time, you don't know what that means.
0: <laughs> right. And 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 the in-between of that, I just know it was God's sovereign hand that makes that happen from the whosoever will come to the I've chosen you before the foundation of the world. God God has to cause that to happen because man can't cause that to happen. I mean, remember there were two thieves between Christ and they were both dying, or Christ was between the two thieves, I should more rightly say, and they were both dying. Right. They both saw the same Christ. They both heard his words. They both had an idea of who he was, but only one of them called out for salvation. Right. Only one recognized him as a king. And, and, the, uh, and the one who asked for forgiveness, if you will, said to the other one, D- do you not even fear God?
2: Right, right.
0: And it really represents everybody in the universe. There is either we are like the one that called out to Christ to be forgiven, or we're like the one that reviles against him. A- and there's nobody in between. I mean, there's not one person that can ride the fence on this baby.
2: And and I think not to get too far afield, one of the the most important parts of that whole thing was he's recognized that God did did nothing wrong. And that's another thing. It's by he says, I've done bad stuff. We both have. But this man. Has not done anything wrong. Can't you recognize that he is he's sinless? He has not done anything wrong, and yet he's going to be punished like we have been punished. We are going to be punished. Anyway, I just think that's a that's an important thing to go on. But like I said, let's 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 return back.
0: Right. The right. question
2: still remains: what happens to a believer who dies? And what happens to an unbeliever who dies? So
0: the 1689 London Baptist Confession Concerning the state of man after death and the resurrection of the dead, states thus The bodies of men after death return to dust and see corruption, but their souls, which neither die nor sleep, there goes your soul sleep, having an immortal, say that word for me, Glenn,
2: subsistence.
0: That's the word, immediately return to God who gave them. The souls of the righteous, being Then made perfect in holiness are received into paradise where they are with Christ and behold the face of God in light and glory, waiting for the full redemption of their bodies. So their bodies aren't with them at the moment. Right. And the souls of the wicked are cast into hell where they remain in torment and utter darkness reserved to the judgment of the great day. Besides these two places for souls separated from their bodies, the scripture acknowledges none.
2: I, I like that um, where it talks about the judgment of the great day. The Bible talks about that too. So, yes. the, so, so hell is a place they stay until the judgment of the great day. I think we kind of get confused and think that, that it's the other way around, that we're waiting for the, the judgment day to then decide who goes. It's you go now, you go immediately, and then that goes into the lake of fire. The hell goes there like a fire.
0: That's right. That's right. And the London Baptist confession continues it says, as the last day, such of the saints are found alive, shall not sleep. There it goes again. No soul sleep, but be changed and the dead shall be raised up with the self same bodies. So the body is going to come up mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about just the amazing act of God in that. Mm-hmm. And none other, although with different qualities, which shall be united again to their souls forever. The bodies of the unjust shall by the power of Christ be raised to dishonor bodies of the just by his Holy Spirit unto honor and made conformable to his own glorious body.
2: Yeah, I would definitely agree with all of that.
0: (laughs) So in short, just think about it or stop and think about it. There have been people lost at sea. There have been many people that have died uh, in the faith and they've become the maggot sacks and and worms have eaten their bodies. Speak for yourself. (laughs) And somehow, those that have blown up or been shot and killed, I mean, all the bodies of believers somehow God is going to bring their body back and it's going to become an immortal body
2: right right you know i I, I like that the the song or the hymn that my God is an awesome God <laughs> he can do you know he can do whatever he, he pleases you know and I think we I think when we dwell on these kind of things we just got to remember that God is powerful. He's, he's beyond us. We talked about that a few minutes ago, that he's beyond, he, he's not, his ways are not like our ways. And I yes. think with these kind of topics, we can try to make God like us or kind of make it simplified. The smartest, most brilliant person you could ever think about can't even approximate God 0.0001% of the awesomeness of God.
0: Yeah. And so I'm sure you've went to many funerals. I went to funerals and depending on what the person liked to do in life, someone ascribes that when that person died, because at a funeral, it seems like everybody went to heaven, right? Yep. Do you ever hear somebody says, well, you know, so-and-so died and I know they're burning in hell right now. I've never heard it. No, no. And if you go to a Roman Catholic funeral, it's even more confusing because they're in heaven, they're in purgatory, they're sleeping. I mean, they're all over the place. You don't know what happened at a Roman Catholic funeral.
2: I know where they went, or 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 the two possible locations at least.
0: Exactly, and so if so, if the person liked to the dance, then somebody would say, you know, they're they're up in heaven dancing right now. If they were in a wheelchair, uh, they're running around. If they liked martial arts, uh, they're kicking a, a heavy bag up in heaven, but you know, in front of Jesus. But but they have no body. They have no body at the time they're if you will a, a dismembered uh soul from the body and i don't know exactly how that all is going to work but the scripture says we don't have the body yet
2: right right and and it seems to me like there that the body the glorious body the 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 uh, glorified body is a reward it's it's for those who have been bought with the price um and, and and so there is this relationship between the spiritual and the physical. But for right now, for the purpose of what we're talking about, for what people need to understand is we are dead spiritually until God revives us. And we're going to die physically until God revives us and gives us a new body. And so there is, a, there is this kind of apt that we started off with this mostly dead. In a way, we're walking around mostly dead, and that's what makes evangelism so hard because we're, we're, we're preaching to people who don't know that they're dead, right? They right. think they're alive, but they're mostly dead, right? And there's <laughs> going to be a point, a judgment day, when we're going to be dead, dead. And our goal as believers is to try to reach everyone we can now when they're mostly dead because now, now is the time. Now is the day of salvation, right? After that, there's a the judgment. Right. And then okay. there's nothing we can do. You know, so there's, there's, a, so I think as believers, we have this finality of, of, of life. And we take it more seriously than anyone else. Yes. Right?
0: And I, I love the evangelistic part that you brought up because we're speaking to people that are spiritually dead, but there are some that God has awakened and God will kind of perk their ears up and they'll be able to hear the gospel. So everybody will be able to hear as we preach and as we witness they'll hear the words per se but why does it sink into some hearts and not others it's it's not because one person's more intellectual than the other
2: speak for yourself <laughs>
0: i just did <laughs> right so it's back to those two thieves one thief heard and the other one was deaf to the words of Christ to the reality and remember when Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And Peter spoke on behalf of the disciples. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Who do you say that I am? And when Peter gave the right answer again as a spokesperson, because this was all of their answers, if you will, just Peter's voice uh, was the mouthpiece for all of them. Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. So the reality of coming to life spiritually is downloaded from heaven, and you can't download it yourself. Correct. It is done by God himself. God sovereignly downloads the truth of the gospel into your heart and regenerates you. He removes your heart of stone. He gives you a heart of flesh. You cannot do that type of spiritual surgery. No one in the world can. It takes the great physician, and his name is Jesus Christ.
2: So let me get this straight. Please do. We, <laughs> we can't save ourselves. Only God does that. True story. We can't will ourselves back to life. Only God can do that. Absolutely. And and the only thing we seem to be able to do is to sin, right, and to be totally depraved and to be um, under the wrath of judgment.
0: And Speak for also, yourself and
2: me. <laughs> and also, there are things that we can never know or is beyond us because only God knows that thing, right?
0: Yes. And we can... Rest in comfort knowing that if God wanted us to know the answer to certain things, he would have surely told us the answer to these things.
2: Podcast over. <laughs> no, no, no. We have more to go.
0: <laughs> so what happened at spiritual death? So the question is asked in the catechism, what is the misery of that estate whereinto man fell? And the answer is all mankind by their fall lost communion with God and are under his wrath and curse, and so made liable to all the miseries of this life, to death itself, and to the pains of hell forever. And if you don't know what a catechism is, it's a it's a summarized version of a confession. And we normally use the sixteen eighty nine London Baptist confession, but it, it's just the theology and apologetics uh, in a concise way with, with question and answer, not just for children, but for adults as well.
2: Right, right on.
0: And Richard Barcellus wrote, the last Adam, our Lord, takes his seed where the first Adam failed to take his. Adam had a goal to obtain, a goal he failed to achieve. Adam fell from the righteous state in which he was created and did not enter glory due to his sin. Though the potential for attaining glory was endowed upon him by his creator, he never reached it. Yeah,
2: I think that's fair to say. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is the reason why we all face spiritual death, why we we all are born spiritually dead, and that, and why we face this impending physical death, because right. he he so, never did, he never reached it.
0: He never reached it. So on his own, not on his own, at least. True, and so there is this covenant of works. Which Adam was under, and he failed.
2: Well, okay, so covenant of works, Phil, to tell some people, everyone knows, is 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 when God gave the command, yes. saying, "If you eat of this fruit, da 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 da." Then He says, yes. "Subdue the earth, um, have dominion over the earth." You know, um, this is this is the woman that I've given you. That these are all commands that God has given us. Those are laws that He's given us. this works that He's given us to do to tend the the garden. And Adam failed to do that.
0: Yes, Adam failed in the covenant of works, and that's why we need a covenant of grace, because we cannot work for our salvation. So, Glenn, there's a lot of preachers out there that preach, come to Jesus. He'll give you love, joy, peace, patience, happiness. He'll give you a new car. He'll buy you a new house. He'll give you that new jet like you want. Uh, Some people like Creflo Dollar, T.D. Jakes, uh, and Osteen why don't we affirm and preach the same message that they're preaching? Is something wrong with that?
2: Yeah, there's definitely something wrong with what they're talking about. Once again, death, this spiritual death that we're born with and this physical death we're going to face is the real problem. So, I'm not talking about happiness and peace and joy and 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 airplanes and riches because that's not gonna solve the problem, right? Right. There's a gospel, which is the good news, which means there's bad news. And the bad news isn't that there's necessarily poverty or that you're not rich or you're not happy, and you're not in a relationship, but it's the fact that there's this wrath of God that's upon us. And so we don't preach that because that's not gonna solve anything, right? the rich man cannot, well, you said there's no hearse that follows you. No, there's no uh, um, U-Haul truck that follows you, the hearse, right? You can't take it with you. So I could do that. I can become a motivational speaker. We can have a motivational podcast, but I think people are going to be very upset uh, at the day of judgment when they're going to be like, why did you spend all that time talking about, you know, my financial plan when you knew that I would be facing an eternity in hell?
0: Kind of like the people that listen to Joe Osteen. Oh, sorry. I said that out loud.
2: Yeah. 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 I, let's let's edit that out. Or <laughs> Tony Robbins.
0: Um. So, so, yeah. I don't know if you've heard my friend Ray Comfort's parachute illustration where there's two men seated on a plane and one is given a parachute and told this will improve your flight. And it's very uncomfortable. People are laughing at him and it's not improving his flight. And he throws it on the floor and he's very upset at the people that actually gave him the parachute. But the other person who's given a parachute is told something different. He's told, put this on because at any second you're going to have to jump out of this plane. And if you jump without a parachute, you're going to die. And so he doesn't care that it's heavy, the weight upon his shoulders. He doesn't care that he's laughing at him because he put it on with a different motive. And so when we tell people, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not for a better life per se. It's because we have to face the jump from this life into the next. And if you jump from this life to the next without Christ, you will die in your sin and spend an eternity. In hell, and there's no do-overs
2: right amen exactly and, and 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 that's and once again almost all the things we've been talking about in this podcast as much as the many others is the perspectives that we have and 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 stop and think about it that's what we're telling you to stop you know one of the major problems is this knee-jerk reaction to think well this much this must mean this no it doesn't it, we we have to we have to think about it. God has given us a brain, right? He's given us um, a book, thoughts. No. <laughs> he's given us a book, and he's 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 kind of left some things vague. And we 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 talked about before this idea that some things, the secret things, are the Lord's. But there's a lot of things that He's revealed to
0: us. Yes.
2: And and we have to to make two plus two equal four. We have to add this all up. And you know, I don't want you to go through life saying, "Hey." Pastor so-and-so told me this, you know, study your Bible, read, meditate on it. God has revealed all these things to us, and it's there for us to, to imbibe. And, and, and once again, I want us to focus on the main problem, which is we will die. Yeah, you will face judgment. And 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 this is the most important thing. And as believers, this is what we should be staring all of our conversations to not to be a broken record, not to, to be the guy that shunned from all the fun things, but because you care about the people that are around you. And if you present the message as, hey, life is great as a christian i'm over here having a lot of fun and you know i'm living a good life and everything is wonderful they're gonna just say hey thank you for telling me that that's really interesting they're not gonna do anything they're not gonna change their life but if you let them know the truth that there's a judgment coming that's gonna change how they view you and the message that you're given and the seriousness of the moment
0: and that they've sinned against god and that they're in trouble. They rebelled against God, and, and, and all things are not right between them and God. And the mm-hmm. soul that sins, it shall die. And if they stand before God in that state, sorry, shows up, shows over, and it's not going to end well for you. And that's going to be eternity, and there's no do-overs. If you think of Ezekiel 37, uh, when God asked Ezekiel, can these bones live? He had the great answer. He said, Lord, you alone know. And then that was the right answer. Right on. <laughs> and so then when the Spirit of God came upon the bones, then they came to life. And it always takes a supernatural act of God to bring that which is dead back to life, both in the miraculous when we see Christ did it with the life of Lazarus and spiritually speaking as well. As it says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8 through 12, it says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord nor of me as prisoner, this is Paul writing, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who, listen this, abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel
2: wow mm, it's amazing amazing only god can do it right only
0: this god is this
2: is it. this is a a god issue right it's not a man issue it's not a pull yourself up you know work harder um pastor peter did a, a recent sermon to uh actually today that that was so poignant it's you know it's when the rich young ruler says what can i do what can i do and and jesus tells him what he can do and it's impossible for him yes. right it, it's it's you know sometimes we can hear that we can hear that parable and think or not the parable but hear the story and think to yourself well yeah he's just greedy no 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 it's, none of us can do it right none of us right. can do that now, rich or not
0: yeah now now can, can we know if we have everlasting life is is that actually knowable
2: uh yeah yeah we the book tells us the the bible tells us uh the method and the means of how that will work and and i think and i think you described it earlier about this spiritual life this rebirth that we have and and it's demonst- demonstrable by the, the things that we do and the way that we see the world right
0: yeah yeah and john writes in john 112 But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And then in chapter 5, verse 24, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. And John writes one more in first John chapter three, verse 14 and 15. He writes, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Now, that's interesting. So believers that love other believers show that they have been born again by the fruit of loving other believers. What are your thoughts on that, Glenn? That's pretty amazing.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, but you know, it it sounds amazing, I think, because we go to church and because, you know, we've been reborn, but most people in the world don't love each other. They don't. Or or the love is feigned. And feigned means like it's 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 false. It's a facade. It's well I'm gonna do good to others because I, I want it to be done to me, as opposed to, you know, we just love every we we we're commanded to love everyone and our heart is given over to loving people, right? That's something that only God can do. It only makes sense if you realize that we're spiritually dead and incapable of really doing it.
0: Yeah, isn't there a city called the city of brotherly love? City, of yeah, that. Philadelphia. That's right, Philly. I used mm. to hang out there in my college days, <laughs> and you know, it seems that uh, there's still a lot of bloodshed in that city, right? So, I don't know how much yes. brotherly love yeah. is going on over there, <laughs> but you know, perhaps it's not much different sometimes in our streets in New York City as well. So, right, we're not just right, going right. to pick on Philadelphia, but but here it is here's how this happens you have a mm. person from Jamaica and a person who grew up in the suburbs of New York. And you bring them together in the same church and they can love each other because they have the same spirit and the same heavenly father. And that's pretty much the story of Glenn and I. Podcast over.
2: <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. And, and like I said, I had another um, uh, brother that came in the church. Different family, different environment, uh, different makeup, diff- different way of keeping house, keeping family. And we were we were the best of friends, and it was just like. And I was one day I sat there looking at them, and I said, you know, without Christ, I, I would have walked the other way. Sure, I would. I would have looked at you with all these preconceptions, and I'd said, "There's nothing me and this guy has in common." And but because we have Christ in common, we have everything. You know, nothing else matters, and we just saw the commonality from that. And I think any one of the people listening to us has that experience where they probably are talking and being around people that they would never in a million years talk to because they're like, you know, he's an XYZ or he's a, you know, he's into this kind of music or he has tattoos or, you know, he's from this environment. But once they hear that Jesus, it's like, oh, we both serve the same God. So so the proof of our salvation from the outside can seem weird, but it, it's, it's the fact that the whole world is under this cloud where they can't do these simple things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so, Two believers can be closer to one another than two family members, one that's saved and one that's unsaved. And I find that an amazing thing. I mean, you can go to another country, you can go to another state, meet another person who's born again, and immediately have Christ in common, and immediately you just met a family member. And just what an amazing thing. Because remember, we had the first sibling rivalry we had was Abel rose up. And was killed by his brother Cain.
2: Mm, mm,
0: and mm. so he asked, Am I my brother's keeper? Right? He's being sarcastic with God. But the reality is, I'm your brother, I'm your keeper. And you're my keeper, Glenn.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 once again, that's the first physical death after the first spiritual death. And it, it always proceeds one after the other, right? It's all it's 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 because we're spiritually dead that death happens. Right. We, we talked about this before this even started about this, this, this progression from, you know, where the, the people are 900 years, 800 years, 600 years till now 120 is the max. You know, there's very few people who live up to be even to be 100 at this point. Why? Because this, this, this spiritual death leads to this um, physical death. Even if we are naturally do what we kill each other, there was no murder before before uh, Adam Adam and Eve ate uh, ate of the fruit. And so, you know, I guess to to, to wrap it in a bow is that we just got to constantly realize, we have to realize that the problem is our spiritual death. The, that's the real death we should be talking about. That's the real death that should be concerning us because after death comes a judgment. Well, we're going to go one place or the other. Not karma, not reincarnation, not oblivion, not uh, soul sleep, not... Uh, purgatory, but we're going to two places. I strongly believe that. And Phil, I know you strongly believe that. And we as believers should know this.
0: And Jesus believed it too, because he told the parable in Luke 16 about one man that went to heaven and one that went to purgatory forever. I mean, hell, right? So I mean, it's, it's there. Well, let's bring just some closing application to this. So When someone dies, they go to either one or two places, and they don't have their body with them. And they might burst some people's bubble, but that is the truth of Scripture. Hebrews connects death with the consequence of judgment in close sequence, just as it appointed for man once to die, and after this, the judgment, Hebrews 9, 27. Scripture never represents the final judgment as depending on anything done after we die, but only what has happened in this life. Right
2: amen um that's that's a great point point.
0: and i just want to uh bring up a famous hymn there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from emmanuel's veins all sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains the dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day and there may i though vile as he Washed all my sins away. You wrote that, Phil? This is awesome. No, but I'm going to continue. Dear dying lamb, thy precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed ones of God be saved to sin no more. Ere since by faith I saw the stream thy flowing wounds supply, redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. When this poor lisping, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave, Then in a nobler, sweeter song, I'll sing thy power to save. I'll sing thy power
2: to save. It sounds good, read and and, and sung. Yeah,
0: yeah. And so, have you been to the fountain filled with blood? Have you ever thought about the possibility of your own death? Has there been an element of fear connected with those thoughts? A real sobering reality. When anyone dies, I ask myself, was I faithful? Did I speak the truth? And did it come from the soul every time I preached the words of Charles Spurgeon? So if you're a preacher, have you been faithful when you meet people? And secondly, has this podcast perhaps changed your feelings about your own death in any way? If so, please let us know. Uh, we'd like to hear some feedback and hope this has impacted you or maybe someone that you care about. Maybe they'll, they've given you some feedback if perhaps you forwarded this along to them. Well, friends and foes, saints and sinners, we looked concerning death and the gospel at the view of humanity, and in that, the view of the world's religions, we looked at the quote-unquote scientific view, and many of the misconceptions, but we need the truth about physical death, and more importantly, about spiritual death. So please pass this podcast on to others so they may benefit from it. We're at the tail end of our new website, and we'll be rolling that out very soon. And if you're not receiving our newsletter, please sign up at www.soulfishingministries.org. And once again, thank you for taking this time
1: to stop and think about it. If you would like to contact us, please email us at stopandthinkcrew at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at www.stopandthinkpodcast.com. This podcast is listener-supported by generous people like you. You can give a tax-deductible donation at our affiliate ministry at www.soulfishyministries.org and click on our donate link to give securely through PayPal. Thank you for listening to Stop and Think About It.